Pride can be a focus on how good you are, and we call that arrogance. Pride can also be focused on how bad you are. And the point is that the object is still yourself. Okay, we are here today with Carrie Oberbrunner, CEO of Igniting Souls, who is an author, coach, and speaker who helps individuals and organizations clarify who they are, why they're here, and where they're going so they become souls on fire, experience unhackability, and share their message with the world. In the past 20 years, he's ignited over 1 million people with his content. He lives in Ohio with his wife, Kelly, and three children. On a personal note, I'm a big fan of Carrie's. This is one of my favorite episodes so far. He reveals a lot of really important life experiences that I hope you get a lot out of. I know I did. All right. We're here today on the Gravity Podcast with Carrie Oberbrunner. And it is awesome to have you, Carrie. We've known each other a long time and really looking forward to uh, having this conversation today. Super excited to be here, Brett. Yeah, it's great. So as you know, kind of, uh, and I think your work really fits perfect for the flow of our podcast. I uh, we'll get into what you're doing today. And I've just had the opportunity to read your latest and greatest. And and I think you know your journey, your story has really carried you into the work that you've done. So um, let's start at the beginning as we've been doing on this sure. podcast. And, and maybe you could just kind of uh, talk a little bit about kind of the very early days, your childhood and kind of those first impactful, most uh, earliest memories. Definitely. So I I grew up in Wisconsin, and Wisconsin is a cold place, but it's uh, you know it's it was just a, a a cool home. My parents were both in full time ministry, so I kind of grew up thinking um, that I would be a helper of people. I, business didn't even cross my mind. Uh, money wasn't something we had, so I didn't even miss it. But we had a lot of uh, a lot of love in the family from an early age. But I just I just remember even being an entrepreneur ish kid when we tried to sell used fireworks. <laughs> so, so as a young kid, my mom snapped a picture me you know with a little uh, display of used fireworks because fireworks were my favorite thing. But as I um, as most people have pain in their lives, you know, we work with Chet Scott and Chet's a great guy, builttolead.com, but he talks a lot about acute pain and chronic pain. And like any kid, I had pain, you know, pain's the universal emotion. And one of my things as a young kid was stuttering. So you, you can imagine when you're, when you're a young kid, I mean, these are back in the days of early eighties, probably, probably your time, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 And, you know, you would stand up in class and you'd have to read and it was kill, you know, such a bummer. Mm -hmm. But basically, I just, I just really valued people and acceptance and I couldn't get my words out. And so I just remember like not wanting to talk. Mm. And back in the early 80s, they, they would label you learning disabled and then you basically would get a label. And go to special classes, and that's kind of what what I grew up with in the beginning. 
When I had a few deaths in the family at the age of 10, not using words and, and being that well-spoken, I kind of went inside with my pain. And so it started with uh, biting, you know, as a kid. And then as I grew up more Nirvana, Pearl Jam, you know, <laughs> era, um, it just became anger. And mm. so I got into self-injury as a, as a teenager. I mean, I was, I was on the wrestling team. Nobody knew about that, but it was just a way that I could deal with pain, anger, and really the self-hatred. I kind of thought you needed to be perfect. And, you know, couple that with this whole religion background where you kind of grow up thinking God wants you to be perfect. If you're not perfect, God's mad at you, you know? And so it just stemmed into depression and even suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. I just thought, you know, what the heck? Why, why, why live anymore? And, you know, it wasn't like I had major tragedies, but you have your grandparents die. You have breakups. You have uh, got got jumped from behind in a rough neighborhood. Had to, you know, jump out of the wrestling finals senior year. I mean, you just have disappointments. And the the thought I had, Brett, was, is God against me? Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. I think. Yeah. Let, let me let me hop in because there's yeah. a lot there. I want to kind of go back and. Uh, unpack a little bit with you. Sure. And I appreciate you sharing all of that right out yeah. of the gate. It kind of gives us a sense as to who you are and and the kinds of things that have shaped you. Um, I, I'm, I'm going back to kind of a curious thing that you said at the beginning, which is maybe not kind of as profound as some of the pain that you um, struggled with. But, uh, you know, I'm interested in this kind of little a piece where you said that, you know, you really grew up where money wasn't really a focus. It wasn't a thing. It was about service, yes. religion, spirituality, but yet you had some sort of internal thing that said business, entrepreneur, oh, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. um, and so like, it's an interesting thing. Like when you it look is. back on kind of um, how that wasn't your, uh, environment yet, you know, right. it came out of you anyway. Yes. Um, you know, and I know, you know, kind of spoiler alert, fast forward, like these things come together and this is, you know, a big part of what we've done with built to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, at an early age, you're not thinking about any of that. How do you feel about kind of this part of you that wants to show up as an entrepreneur at a young age? I'll tell you what, looking back now, it makes a ton of sense. I always felt, because you'll learn in my story, that I did become a pastor. So I kind of followed in my dad's footsteps and became a pastor. But it always felt off. And I, and I don't mean that in, in, a, in a, you know, a demeaning way for church. I mean, I feel closer to God than ever. But, but man, the entrepreneurial world is so my sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I love it. <laughs> and you can feel that, you know, even at a young age, you know, back to the fireworks and whatever else kind of came along the way. Like I was you- always doing crazy stuff. I mean, for me, it wasn't, it was vision. You know, I remember in college just saying to my dorm, like, we're going to create this t-shirt company mm-hmm. and we're going to, we're going to like make the teachers be our, whatever, our, Models, meaning we're going to give them the shirts, they're going to wear them, and 
I mean, who even knows where that comes from? And I, 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 you know, people might say, well, I'm not a leader. You know, they're listening to your podcast. It's a great podcast. They might say, I'm not a leader. And I mean, I was a depressed, self-injuring, stuttering dude, you know, like, but yet I had influence and I wanted to lead people. And I, and I feel that leadership and entrepreneurship, you know, for me, it was never the money. Like I know some people want like the money because it's freedom or options. For me, it's the game. Like I love risk, mm. you know, and being a pastor going to the same meeting for 12 years in a row, it's like, and you, and you know, you're debating about, should you pass the offering plate or should you put it as a box? I remember sitting there, mm-hmm. I'm like, are you serious? We just had a two hour meeting with 20 people in the room about, should we pass the offering plate or should we have a box? Mm-hmm. And, I, and suddenly the church just felt really small. Mm. And, and now, I mean, you know what's going on, Brett, but like now I can have a global company and we're having virtual conferences and it's a publishing company. Like every day is exciting. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I, and I feel like God's actually more glorified with that. You know what I'm saying there? Yeah. That's a little bit edgy. That's well, little... it, it, yeah, it is. But it's, it's you know, also uh, my experience too. And mm-hmm. something that I, I really feel and see unfolding um, when I'm paying attention, you know, it's easy to get lost in the kind of uh, day to day, but um, I've learned to kind of come to that belief too. And actually, interestingly enough, uh, when I first started with Built to Lead, um, and I actually haven't really talked about this much on the podcast, but I really um, uh, decided that I was an atheist for um, some period of time. You know, when we go through the discovery questions, there was question marks about faith for me. And then I decided that um, in trying to plug that integrity gap, right? Part of the process in in the built lead process, I decided that the only way I could really fill that hole was being an atheist. And I tried that on for a while. And it wasn't really until more recent years, you know, within the last, Five years, I would say that that um, faith, not religion, but sure. faith, really started to become clear to me, and something that I got to not just believe but experience. Um, and and I only say that just because you know it feels um, appropriate to what you're talking yeah, about. Absolutely. And I do want to go back and talk about the pain. Um, oh, yeah. But I'm just going to kind of tease this thread out a little bit because sure. it does seem like. These things came together for you, yes. you know that that a big part of what I talk about and what I've heard on this podcast, and the reason we start at the beginning is because of the programming that mm. often takes hold as children, and yes. that might be your parents, it might be society, it might be some kid on the playground, a dog that barks at you and scares you, <laughs> getting jumped. I mean, these things, oh, yeah. you know, they, they really do program you. Yep. Um, and so you went down a path that felt like the programming, right? Yep. But, the, but the, the real kind of source energy in you was this, this uh, love of the game. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you've been able yeah. to merge those two things yes. you know, as, you, as you get later in life. I, man, I, I love excellence. You know, so you have this amazing skill about architecture 
and community. I mean, you approach your your building projects, you know, what what little I know, what Chet tells me, you approach it a totally different perspective. You know, you're you're infusing life spaces. And I know you could go off on a riff and I can't wait to have you on my show because I'm gonna learn all about it. But <laughs> but you look at it differently. And I mean I don't care if it's Aaron Rodgers, I don't care if it's um a musician. I mean, I'm not even I don't consider myself a musician at all. I can't sing worth anything. Well, like the other day on Facebook, I see this guy who has this looping pedal and the guy's like a genius. And I just had to share that with everybody. And I said, like, check out this. I don't even know what a looping pedal is. But when you see excellence in any craft and you consider yourself a master in the art of living like you do and like I do, you just, you just appreciate it because you know the suffering that that person went through to get to that level. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the suffering. Yeah. Um, you know, you kind of outlined your journey with the pain, yeah. um, starting with the stuttering. And, yeah. you know, I think you said, you know, you were a lover of people. How, what was that like? If you think back on it as an adult, oh, yeah. as a child, to love people and yet not be able to communicate with them. And, and I'm guessing, you know, when you kind of get into the learning disabled category, yeah. you know, and you're right, I grew up in the same time and struggled with not stuttering, but um, other, you know, kind of learning sure. disabilities. You, you, you can, and I, you know, fortunately wasn't as much as I saw other people. Um, and still to this day, I think it exists. Um, you can get ostracized, you can sure. get labeled, as you oh, said, yeah. you know, what was it like to love people and then also uh, suffer struggle with this learning disability? I'll tell you what, I love movies because I think they depict a, a, a story. You know, you can give a scene from a movie and it takes you immediately into how I felt. I felt like Todd in Dead Poet Society. Mm-hmm. When Robin Williams says to him, come on up to the front of the class. He's like, nope, I don't have a poem. He's like, nope, nope, nope. You're not getting off that easy. And that's how I think each one of us are. We each have this poem inside of us. And some of us just uh, get up and make a joke like that one guy in the movie, just, you know, what reads this dumb little thing and makes a joke and people laugh. Other people, you know, do a poem about some woman or guy or something. But Todd is just like, I'm not doing it. And I think that that was me for a lot of my life. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I'm not going to get off the bench. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think that as an entrepreneur, you know, you probably too, Brett, I think you probably had a script handed to you. See, that's another thing. Other people hand you your poem. That's probably your case. Where, where someone handed you a script and said, here's the role you're going to play. And we have a choice to go up and then repeat the poem that's handed to us. What Todd had to do, and I talk about it in the, even in Unhackable, he had to get into flow. And, and Robin Williams, he, he put his hands over Todd's face and he said, you know, say the first thing that comes in your mind. In other words, he shut down the inner critic. We have this thing called the prefrontal cortex, which is our judge and it's our inner critic. And our inner critic basically 
judges us 100% all the time. And that's what I had. <laughs> like you, you now want to speak, but now you're your own judge. Mm-hmm. And in the writing world, we call that writing and editing. Mm-hmm. And that when you write and edit, your writing sucks. Mm-hmm. And that's where most authors suck is they, they write it and they say, now what will my mom think of that last one? Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you just yeah. kind of backing up. So yeah. you're, I'm not doing it. You know, your inner critic yeah. What was it saying to you? What what was it? What was the reason why it wasn't doing it? You know, what was it saying? Was it I'm not enough? Oh yeah. Um, you know, tell me what was, you know, there's some few common threads here. What was your saying? Man, a lot, lot of lot of F words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my self-injury was not the, hey, I'm gonna cut myself and show everyone. Like this was before the internet, you know. Mine was this deep, dark secret. And I literally would, would, it sounds weird, like looking back, now being educated and successful, it's like, what the heck were you doing? But like my, my body was the place where I could be real. So in other words, everyone else is like, oh, look at Carrie, he's a nice guy, blah, blah, blah. His parents are in ministry. But I would write like the F word. Mm-hmm. And I would write, um, you know, just how I saw myself, loser, failure, all these things. And here's what's interesting, Brett. You take that into the business world, you're never going to be successful, which is interesting, right? Like the whole point of the, and I'm not trying to get on another subject, but I'm just saying I couldn't be a successful entrepreneur when I was fixated on myself. Mm -hmm. See, that's that's the lie most people believe about depression, suicide, and self-injury. They're like, oh, they're not prideful. And I'm like, hang on. And I know this is a big judgment call on people. I'm just going to tell you my story. Pride can go two ways. Pride can be a focus on how good you are. And we call that arrogance. Pride can also be focused on how bad you are. And the point is that the object is still yourself. So. Back in those days, I was incredibly prideful. I, I couldn't think mm-hmm. about clients or other mm-hmm. people. I was so tripped up with my inadequacies. Mm-hmm. So was your was your voice? I'm bad. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. My maybe, voice, maybe bad. with an F word, but but that's, <laughs> that is a common one. I'm bad. And yeah. and do you think that that voice was formed from your stuttering, or mm-hmm. what? Where did that voice come from? Yeah, I've never gone on record with the podcast, but you're just drawing it out today, man. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. I don't know where it came from, but I will tell you this. When I was, I think my sister was three and I was one. And listen, I can't, I'm not going to tell people I was sexually abused. I don't know. But what I do know is that my parents walked in and saw my uncle in bed with my sister and I. And then I found out two years later, he hung himself. Now, listen, I don't know, but all I'm saying is like, I don't know where that came from, but at a young age, when you already can't speak and you're depressed and you're self-harm, who knows? Yeah. You know, who knows where it came from? But, But I do know that it's, it was inside me. 
yeah. from a young age. Yeah, yeah, Carrie. You know, I really appreciate you saying that. I, yeah. I, I, um, I, I really feel that, and I, I've been kind of studying this subject quite a bit myself, and I actually just watched. Yeah, kind of in the in the spirit of faith and sure. you know, God, the universe. These things have been showing up for me a few a few different ways. Um, wow. uh, I uh, and, and it's really more just kind of in content. But Tim Ferriss's podcast, oh um, yeah, you know the the recent one about his sexual molestation. Um, I, I don't even know about that, so, uh, but I know Lewis House talks about that. Uh, Tim came out with a podcast um, within the last few weeks where he reveals his um, discovery of his own sexual molestation. Um, And just a couple days ago, I watched a movie um, that was recommended to me by uh, Gabor Maté, if you know Gabor's work. Mm. Um, He's a phenomenal uh, therapist who really talks about pain um, being the primary source of addiction. Um, But the documentary I watched was uh, Daryl Hammond's uh, from Saturday Night Live. Uh, uh, It's called Uncracked uh, or Uncracked Uncracked Up, I think it is. And um, he talks about uh, cutting and drug addiction and suicidal uh, ideation and all of this um, kind of coming back to him after going in and out of insane asylums and and rehabs and uh you know blowing up his life on multiple occasions his marriage etc um Gee. he finally found this this incident from early early childhood you know pre-verbal memories and it is often the case that wow. even the stuttering yeah. um i think the statistics are something like and i and i you know don't quote me on this but sure. i think it's something like one in three girls oh. and maybe oh, yeah, like yeah, one yeah. in six um, boys. And the, Absolutely. And the one in six yeah. is uh, yeah. is like, just because guys aren't like comfortable talking about this, yeah. you know, um, it's like remarkably more common. You might right. have the actual numbers. Um, and, and, you know, what's so sad about it is these, you know, if, if it happened, whatever sure. happened, I mean, it yeah, might have happened enough to yeah. want to kill yourself and, Bite and self harm and yeah something. yeah and unconsciously you you are stuck living with that right. for as long as uh, it takes some right. people that could be a whole lifetime yeah yeah and yeah. I knew I could have you know and and I forget but maybe 10, 15 years ago you know there was all that repressive therapy and stuff that was out I don't I knew that I could have spent like a whole lifetime going down self-examining and I'm not trying to gloss over it, but it's like I can either, or I can move forward, mm-hmm. you know? And as I did get healing and as I did think, how can a good God allow evil? I mean, that was a big thing. I know some people just gloss over that, but that was like a big thing. But now I do have a faith that's stronger but I'll tell you what, my, my passion is so outward focused. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll tell you what my superpower is. It's picking up unbelief in other people, like self-limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. because that was me. Mm-hmm. You know? So like, I can, I can laser on that so fast because it was me that when someone starts falling for BS belief system, 
you know, and self-limiting beliefs, man, I can pick up on that quick. And, and that's the greatest gift someone gave me. Yeah. That's what unlocked me was, was someone believing in me. Okay. So I, I want to talk about that, but I, I want to make sure we unpack kind of how you did heal. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you, and I, and I really, you know, have a lot of gratitude for what you've shared. Sure. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, it's so, um, it's your story, right? So you, you know it well, you've told it before, you know, maybe some of this you haven't talked about, but, sure. but, you know, you, you can kind of make it sound like it's not as big of a deal as it is <laughs> mm, yeah. um, because it's yours, right? And because you're so on the other side of it, sure, right? But I don't want to move past that too fast because there could be somebody out there right now who's oh, yeah. in that or has a kid that's in that. Yes. And Oh yeah, just yesterday someone called me and said, my son, I won't say his name, is cutting himself. He's 21, yeah. absolutely. And it, it's so pervasive mm. and... You know, there's so much kind of like why and, and you know, your parents might have been the oh, best yeah. parents and, you know, why, yeah. right? And and then there's this God piece and, you know, mm-hmm. like why? And, and I'm just wondering, how did you, what happened that kind of like caught you, woke you up? Like, how did your healing begin? Well, it, it, it all happened with um, a, a woman. So it's my wife. Um, Basically, I wanted a world of no emotions. I mean, it sounds weird, but like I wanted a grayscale life. You can't trust emotions because emotions will, will, people will hurt you. So it's like I grew up in this world where I wanted relationship, but I wanted massive control. No one's going to hurt me. You know, so it's very tough to have that type of world because how can you truly love without being hurt in this type of thing? So I hate to say it, but like most women that I dated in college, I could just, con- I could control. And I know that sounds bad, but like I could just control. And then I met Kelly, who's like this wild card. And all of a sudden I can't control her. And uh, what's funny is that I wanted to be an Air Force chaplain. So my mentor said to me, you need to go do your MDiv, which is like your seminary degree, but in counseling mm. because you're going to be counseling soldiers. And I'm like, okay. So I, I do the MDiv in counseling. Well, little do I know that the first day of class, my wife is an MA in counseling. Mm. And she walks in and like, Everything that I, everything that's scary and risky is her. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's outgoing. She's got her own mind. She's, she's talkative. She's late. <laughs> you know, I'm early. She's spontaneous. I'm not like, she's this total example of everything I want, but everything I'm massively scared of. Well, we start dating. And I mean, it's, it, it, you know, Things go fast. Like she's dating a guy, I'm dating a girl. We meet, we both break up with our people in three days. We start dating. Six months later, we're engaged. Six months later, we're married. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, but the point is that it was not a good first year. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Everything started hitting the fan, like self-injury, you know, because mm-hmm. again, 
Self-injury, let me just dissect it for the people that aren't familiar with it. It sounds weird, but yet here's what it is. It's you reenacting the pain, but in in a way you can control. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. So like in other words, drugs might be painful, you know, all kinds of behavior might be painful. But for me, I want control. And I think it goes back to some of those issues where I was out of control mm-hmm. if things happen to me. So it's like, I got to have control. Well, love you can't control. And her and I, I mean, we, go, we, we have a tough year. We're like, did we marry the wrong person? But what happened was um, she stuck with me and, and I'm a pastor at this time. Mm-hmm. So Brett, I'm preaching on Sunday and cutting on Monday. Is mm-hmm. that weird? I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. That's, so there's this world that's coming together where I think, I think instead of God being a sadistic, cruel God, I actually view God saying, you can't hide anymore. Mm. I want you to be free. Mm. So he starts bringing Kelly into my life. And, and, and what happened was, um, Kelly said, you're going to counseling. And I'm like, no, I'm not, you know? And she's like, you're going to counseling and you know, you're going to get on medicine and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, what, what changed it? Oh, I got to share this. This is the big, this is the big thing. While we're in class and married, right? You have to um, counsel each other, different students. And, and it's called counseling lab. My teacher's, say to me, and by the way, A's and grades were huge to me. Like I was, you know, perfection, dude, overachiever. They say to me, you're going to fail counseling class. I'm like, what? They say, you, you don't get close to people emotionally. And, and they say, you're going you're gonna to fail this class. And I was like, you know, this would have put me out of the Air Force chaplaincy role. I had scholarships to be an Air Force chaplain. So this was a big deal. So finally, I, I, uh, I say, you know what? I'm going to come clean. I go to my teacher and I, and I literally roll up my sleeves and, and I say, I, I'm a self-injure. And I thought the person would be like, first of all, like accepting. Well, I find out later, I find, I find out a week later in my mailbox they failed me mm. from class because they said, you're not fit to be a counselor. You're, you're cutting mm. yourself. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's, the, here's the quick story, Brett. I was starting to get clean. I was starting to bring this to the surface and stop pretending and hiding. You know, this is the first person I ever told. Well, my mentor, his name's Dr. Plaster, but my mentor, who's the vice president of, of the seminary, he said, they can't fail you without my signature. Mm. So he said, I want you to get counseling too. So he agreed with Kelly and we're going to get you, we're going to get you healthy. Well, the crazy story is that the, the teacher who failed me, this was at a Christian seminary, was sleeping with one of the students. Mm. So in other words, like here I am getting clean with my stuff and this person's living a lie. Mm. And uh, and and that type of thing. But long story short, Brett, that that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I and got, so got clean. Okay, so so um, interesting thing because you know there's you're highlighting this like this um, kind of 
dual personality, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe even the the guy that's failing you has, you know, you know, and I don't know him. You know, are, are people good and evil? In your case, sure. you know, you you had this um, mask, yeah. And so, so was the mask truly part of you? Was that a part? You know, this this kind of person that wanted to um, be a pastor and yeah. and really, you know, be of service is that is that part of you or is that part really there to hide the other part you didn't want people to see? Oh, that's good, man. That's a deep question. I I think people are complex, and so yeah. I feel that I feel that right now I love the business world mm-hmm. and I view the business world as serving. Mm-hmm. So I've taken all that stuff that, you know, was years and years and years of ministry, serving, caring for people. And that's what I bring now into the business world. And I think that's my, that's my secret. That's my yeah. superpower. Yeah. Well, well, you're getting to one of my kind of deepest held beliefs, which is really that everything is there to serve us and for our benefit. And, and to me, that is an enormous part of my faith and all of it. It's how I reconcile and it's not a rationalization. It's, it's an experiential belief um, that's just played out for me over and over again. Um, and I believe in your case, you know, as yeah. you just said, that's what happened. This, this stuff, it, it makes you who you are today. Mm. It allows you to be of service yes. in the way that you are because you've had all of that experience. It's been embodied in a way yeah. that you can clearly not just know it intellectually, but you can actually be that for other people now in what you do. I, yeah, I think if I would have grown up, my, my personality, if I would have grown up with a dad who was like heavy into business, I think I would have been the biggest jerk. Because <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, you know, ego, competitive, driver, like I almost had to be beat down first. Mm-hmm. Then I could do the business world versus just coming into the business world. I, I really feel like that. It's yeah. Let, let me ask you, um, so just to kind of close the loop on the healing piece, yeah. was it the counseling that really helped you get on the other side of the cutting and the healing? You know, what was it that really um, got you through? Yeah, it certainly wasn't the medicine because I didn't notice any difference. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think it was is, uh, you know, you're cerebral, you're a thinker, I'm, I'm cerebral, I'm a thinker. And what it came down to was grace. Grace is a very weird concept. And I, you, are you a U2 fan? I am, yeah. Yeah, so, so am I. But Bono in his, a lot of his lyrics, you know, but he literally has a song called Grace. Mm-hmm. And that was so weird for me that that's what broke me. Meaning my whole life, you know, that story of the prodigal son where you like, you got the younger son who's a punk and he takes all of his dad's wealth and he spends it in, on prostitutes and all this stuff. And you got the older brother who's more of a jerk. But he's like, you owe me because I've been here my whole life and I've worked for you my whole life. And that's who I was. I think people run to rebellion or religion. I ran to religion because it was safe. Think about it. 
I needed control. I needed black and white. I needed rules. That's what I wanted. And that's the God I wanted. But that's not truth. And so what got me was grace, meaning I'm messed up or I'm, or I'm effed up, you know, and yet God still loves me. Mm. And, I, and I could preach that on a, on a, on a, in a sermon. I couldn't accept it mm-hmm. in my life. And, and I'll tell you what, the moment I had that happen, Brett, I was a much better friend. Because think about it. I tell people often, if you can't give grace to other people, it's because you haven't received it yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, why, why, why are some people total jerks and, and they, they're not gracious? Because they, they're not gracious to themselves. Yeah. You see? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really great. And um, I'm going to uh, let you off the hook a bit and talk about business now. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, it, it's, uh, you went deeper than I thought, man. But you've it's shared, all good. You've shared all a lot. Good. And I think it's really the purpose of this podcast, really. I, I, I really honor you know, what you've shared and appreciate it. It's touching to me, and I'm sure it will be to other people. And I do think that you know the um, kind of the good stuff that's to come, right? So, oh yeah. So let's talk Absolutely. a little bit about kind of you. You start to transition. You let the entrepreneur come out. Yes. Talk a little bit about kind of how you first started to really allow for that to be yeah. your who you are, really uh, yeah. now shining, you know, brightly. Yeah. As we mentioned about 20 years ago, I met Chet Scott and I was his kid's youth pastor. So what's interesting is that I always got bored by being a pastor, meaning I always had to have this side thing going. So like I got my doctorate and then after I got my doctorate, I said, I'm going to write a book. And then I wrote a second book. Then I wrote a third book. Then I wrote a fourth book. Then I would go speak. Like I always had this itch to like create and I, and I worked at a church that wasn't bad, but it was just kind of like, let's maintain, you know, let's just, do, let's, let's just don't rock the boat. Let's just maintain. And, and it was literally, I feel like killing me because, and that'll kill any entrepreneur, but writing was my way, but I had no, I had no business sense. I didn't know what I was doing and you're not going to get rich off of books unless you learn how to turn them into multiple streams of income. And so. What I did, it's funny, Brett, but like my first three books were like the safe books, mm-hmm. right? It's like the little safe topics. And then I felt like I was supposed to write this book called Your Secret Name. And this was going to be the book where I come out as a self-injure mm-hmm. and like come out with the fact that we all have this pretend name that we want other people to think of us, but it's not the real us. Like my whole story, wearing the mask. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, God didn't speak to me, but I, I felt God leading me to do this. And I was like, no way. I'm not going to do that. Cause I was still a pastor. I'm like, I'm not, church will fire me. You know, they'll say like, who's working with our kids? The dude who mm-hmm. used to cut himself. What the heck? So I said, no, I'm not writing this thing. And then I, he- I heard it loud and clear in my heart. You don't have to write that book, you know, God speaking, but, but if you don't, you'll miss a major blessing. Mm. And I was like, dang. Mm-hmm. And, and that was 2010. And that's literally the book that cracked the code. I mean, that was the book that the first three people didn't even care about. 
because I was writing safe books. This was a scary book. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody does have a scary book inside them and a, and a safe book. Mm-hmm. I, think you do, I think you do too, Brent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll talk we'll, about that. We'll so. talk about that. I think yeah. you might be right. But, but yeah, so tell me, you know, what was it like to write the scary book? Oh, well, here's the trick how to write the scary book. You have to pretend no one will ever read it. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you think that someone's going to read it, you'll stop. So what I did is, is I said, you know what? I'm just going to write this thing. Forget the editor. I'm going to write it. And then once it's out of you, which is very healing, I healed a lot even by writing my journey. But then I said, crap, now I got to talk to my parents about it because they didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want them to find out when it was published. So I went to them with the script and I said, I said, listen, I love you both. And because I love you, I'm letting you read this before it goes to the world. But I'm still, I'm still publishing it. And I'll tell you what, my dad took it hard. Because mm-hmm. he, said, he said, what was my fault? Like, what was his fault? You know, what kind of dad would not notice that his kid was cutting? And, you know, mm-hmm. so he had a lot of blame and, and stuff like this, which stinks because as you get free, you got to deal with relationally, mm-hmm. you know? So long story short, they, I don't think they were mad that I was going to publish it, but they certainly had a lot of self-judgment. Coolest thing in the world, my parents now come to my events. And although my message isn't self-injury, it's actually becoming a soul on fire but it's pushing through that pain, which we all have. Now my parents see other people's lives changed Mm -hmm. and they see people coming up and saying, your book changed my life. And now they're thrilled. Mm -hmm. That's the full circle. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I applaud you for allowing that to come full circle because I think those kind of relationships really do play a huge role in why some people never really can tell their yes. story or um, heal because they are so worried about damaging you know those around them yeah um, even though they've been healed how does it then damage others you know even yep. in the kind of 12-step world there's the living amends right they say mm-hmm. you know if you are going to hurt somebody else then you know it it doesn't have to be something that you actually make amends with you can have a your own internal living amends but really i believe in the what you've done you know yeah. really really trusting it and then look at what you get to to experience now i mean your parents oh have a whole new level a much deeper level of appreciation and love and and respect for you i'll tell uh, you the coolest thing man oh this is so cool how cool is this so this is my mom's book oh wow so, uh-huh. you, you know, my mom used to come to my events. Mercy Extended. Mercy Extended. Yeah. And it's her story. And she didn't want to talk about her story. But, but here's the coolest thing, Brett. Yeah. So here I am, scared to tell my story, but I do it. Then I crack the code on how to write a book and turn it into 18 streams of income. And, you know, we have masterminds and courses and live events and blogs. But my mom's sitting in the audience two years ago and a a fellow attendee comes up to her, like one of my clients and says, oh, you're Carrie's mom. 
and he, he's a, he's a deeply spiritual guy. And he's like, you're supposed to write a book. <laughs> and, and long story short, I was the publisher of my mom's book and this just came out this mm. spring. And now she's setting people free. It, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. you, you know, there's so many extra blessings when you walk the path that you feel God leading you to. When you're obedient to that, all these yeah. blessings come. Yeah, I think that's kind of, you know, what we've both, you know, been experiencing and talking about that, you oh, know, yeah. you can really um, just start to feel like it's kind of um, happening and happening for you and unfolding in a really beautiful way. And, um, you know, let, let, that brings me to uh, your latest, uh, Unhackable. I really yes. want to kind of have you talk a little bit about that and and kind of how you arrived there. I know there was a lot of research there's yes. a lot of you know experiential learning, but you you went deep on this book, and I think it's outstanding. I got cool. the chance to uh, you know read it in advance, and and thank you for that. It's really thanks uh, for giving the endorsement. That was super kind. No, it was yeah. easy to do. It's really it's really great. So talk a little bit about it. Yeah. So that book literally says, "I can be creating souls on fire," you know, helping people in their journey but then they get hacked. And we always think of bank accounts, computers, phones getting hacked. The definition of hack is when someone or something gains unauthorized access to a system or a computer. And as you're a student of neurobiology and these types of things, you know, our bodies are made up of systems, circulatory, respiratory, reproductive system, and our brains are like supercomputers. So I started to think, a few years ago, about six years ago, I started to see how you have these dreamers with the best intentions, but then they get sidelined and sabotaged. And I said, what is the theme? Why, why is this happening? And it's literally because we get hacked. So it can happen technologically. The average person sees 5,000 ads a day. The average person has to make 35,000 decisions a day. So they struggle with decision fatigue. Uh, human knowledge used to double once every thousand years. Today, it's every 12 hours. In other words, we as a species are not equipped anymore to deal with so much noise and distractions. And so what I'm seeing, Brett, is, is a whole generation of dreamers that find it more exciting to look at a screen than they do to live their lives. And it goes back to this word abracadabra that a lot of us said as kids, but it means I create as I speak or it came to pass as it was spoken. And as kids, we would say abracadabra. But what, what's happened is instead of having ideas and implementing them, which is what abracadabra means instantaneously, it's now a major gap. People still do have dreams. People still have ideas. But there's this major gap between implementation. And the whole book is about in 30 days through daily missions, closing the gap between dreaming and doing, becoming unhackable through three specific things, idea, focus, and flow. We call it flawless idea anatomy, deliberate magnetic focus, and optimal human performance. But it's, it's literally idea, focus, and flow. And 
it's amazing uh, concept, and it's uh, I'm not the genius who thought of it. Meaning, I've studied everybody. Yeah, <laughs> Mihai Chicksent, Mihai Angela Duckworth, Cal Newport. I mean, you just Stephen Kotler. And what I did is I saw all these themes. Many people are against tech. Many people are against distractions. But I didn't see someone coming up with a plan and a process on how to become unhackable. Yeah, I think that's really the brilliance of it. You know, you have studied so much and you have done so much research. Um, and then you bring your own experience in, yeah. right? Having worked with so many people, having lived the life that you've lived. And I think that sometimes people can, I mean, people that are doing this, people like you can kind of um, not necessarily, and this might be part of the, the hack, understand that pulling that all together is actually a thing by itself, mm-hmm. right? So it doesn't have to be your concept, your idea, your, yes. um, you know, kind of um, initiation of the, of the thought even, right? It's, the fact that you're the one that pulled that all together. It's like a, a, a painter, you know, yes. right? You say some people say, oh, I could have done that, but you didn't do that, right? You're, <laughs> you're the one who pulled it together. You synthesized it and mm. are making it. And what I really like about it is the, you know, kind of daily step process, yes. you know, for me to be able to kind of chunk things out. And I'm guessing I'm not alone in that as part of your research, right? Um, You know, it it kind of breaks it down into bite sizes and, you know, kind of built to lead language, we'd call it baby steps, you know, Uh and, um, and it's digestible. And, you know, over time, I think, you know, really can make a difference. 2020 hacked the world. You look at COVID, racism, economy, politics. I mean, we literally woke up January 1st, 2020, thinking this is going to be the best year. This is a new decade, you know, hindsight or eyesight's 2020 and the world got hacked. And and some people are still hacked, but you've made adjustments. I've made adjustments and unhackable is this uh, concept. I mean, have you seen the social dilemma? Have you, you've heard about that? I have. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. profound. Yeah. So. This is where we're going as a society. I mean, we need equipping so that as we're staring at influencing technology, we know how to be equipped. Otherwise, we are the product. Yeah. And so I, I feel like this is probably the most important book I've ever written because it's going to set people free. It's going to raise awareness. And it's even affecting people's language. People are literally now saying, oh my gosh, Carrie, this last weekend I got hacked. You know, <laughs> and so like it's becoming so popular in the sense of like it's changing. Self-awareness is the first step. Yeah. You don't realize you're getting hacked, you can't fix it. So at least people are aware of it now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, there's so much to that awareness and and kind of everything that you've shared right i mean just kind of that first step of of waking up of being aware of sharing yes um you know these things are just necessary it's why i like to really bring the life journey the personal side into it because i think these lessons apply in business and in 
life. You know, these mm-hmm. these are the that to me, this is where what you're doing, you know, the merger of those things to mm-hmm. me is where there is in the kind of strategic coach language, right? Yes. You know, we're both big Dan Sullivan fans. Yes. You know, the the free zone frontier, mm. I think, is in the merger of bringing your life and your work together. You know, well, this is good. this is uh, you know, Opus, right? This is built to lead, right? It's being one. You know, I like the master that. in the art of living. I mean, th- th- this is you know, this is it. Uh, I think this is the future. The only way through. This, you know, social dilemma is kind of connecting to um, ourselves and bringing it forward in our work. That is so good. I like that. I'm going to write that down. But, but literally, I love it. The free zone frontier is where work and life show up together. That, yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, I have to just uh, mention that one of the things that's come out of this pandemic is our uh, lunatic friends on this uh, Peloton uh, group that we've been together. And you, of all people, uh, take the yellow jersey. You are a madman amongst many uh, wild riders. I was blown away by what you guys were doing. I was just happy to be able to complete all 21 rides and still am recovering and don't want to look at my bike, but you guys were up to some pretty remarkable stuff. It was a blast, but you know, it's like anything. I, I think if we're going to do some, you know, do it a hundred percent. And you're someone that I can't wait to get on my show too, because you, you've, you, you could have taken a safe path and yet you didn't. So we'll get you on my show soon enough and unpack your story. I can't wait. Sure. Happy to do it. Look forward to it. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining me here today and sharing your journey. It's uh, a really great story. I know uh, our listeners will get a lot out of it. Any kind of final thoughts or um, where people can find you? We'll put all the books in the show notes and um, sure. uh, link link everybody to your work. But anything you want to share with the audience and kind of final thoughts? I'd say go to unhackablebook.com and take the free assessment because it's called the unhackability assessment. And it literally will show you areas of your life, just like it did for me, that I'm getting hacked. And even if you can close those gaps, you might just uh, get that edge back in life, business, health. It's exciting. So thanks for having me, Brett. It was an absolute blast. Sure, absolutely. And uh, just to kind of push people, connect people, um, we've talked a lot about Chet Scott and Built the Lead. And um, also, we're both big fans of Strategic Coach Coach, and Dan Sullivan. Um, Both have been significantly impactful in both of our lives. And um, And they both got books coming out. Um, Yeah. Who Not How. Who Not How, yeah. Who Not How for Dan. And then uh, Becoming Built to Lead for Chet. Yeah, Yeah. we're going to hopefully have both of them on the podcast and... Uh, Anyway, Carrie, it's awesome to be with you. Thanks so much for sharing your story and being with us today. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Please check out the podcast on Instagram 
at the Gravity Podcast. Music heard of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver Oak. 